Hey everyone, welcome to the Grove Church Cultivate Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and really are glad you are joining us. And we are in the middle of a series here on our podcast where it's basically saying that's not what that says, where we have these highly used, may say abused, misused, misunderstood, misquoted verses that often find themselves on inspirational posters, become people's life verses, get often quoted either as weapons towards each other or Sometimes we draw an irrational comfort from them because they promise something that we think that we really, really want. But in fact, the promise is something very, very different. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God won't give me more than I can handle. Those kinds of things. There's just lots of verses out there that on the surface have this really strong, powerful appeal to them. But upon further examinations, actually say something very different than what we think that they mean. So we've got one today, and it's in Matthew chapter 18. And it is a verse that is often used to kind of, you know, show the the power and the the just the the greatness of a small Bible study, a small church, a small gathering of just a couple of people. And that, you know, I'll just I'll just read it for you. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. For two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. And so we quote this verse and basically it's like, hey, me and my Christian friend, me and my two Christian friends, the three of us, the four of us here in this Bible study, we may not feel like that what we're doing matters a whole lot, but because there are two of us who are gathering together for Jesus, there are three of us, there are four of us, we know that Jesus is with us. And so therefore we are this great, powerful influence and that this significance of what we do. And here's the deal. I don't know that I'm necessarily going to disagree with that principle, but honestly, I don't know that you need two. I don't even know if you need the one. I mean, Jesus is a powerful presence wherever he is and he's with me then together. I mean, he's with me and that's, and that, and that's really good. But we talk about this verse and we use this verse in such a way to say that there is something just kind of incredibly powerful about a small gathering of Christians. And again, if this verse existed by itself in isolation, that might be very well what it means. And here's not, again, I'm not, I'm not here at this point to argue with that principle. There've been times where the principle that we try to, to use, I, I'm arguing with it. I don't know that I'm going to argue with this principle tonight. I just want you to learn uh, how to read and study the Bible a little bit better because this is just not what this verse is talking about. And all you have to do, you know, you just read any other verse near it, but we'll go with the the full passage of what Jesus is specifically talking about here. And it is in Matthew chapter 18. We'll start in verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. And he's like, bro, 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 bro. You, you've gone too far. It can't be. That can't be what I, we were just talking about fellowship and that verse is about fellowship and it's about love and that, and that, and that it's important for Christians to be together. And Jesus is always when Christians, when they're together. And now you're talking about what to do when somebody sins about rebuking folks. And I'm telling you, this is the passage verse 16, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. That makes Okay. Now it's kind of see where we're, where we're going here. Right. So verse 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So we got this principle gets used a lot of times, phrase of the day, church discipline. It's kind of the 
the go-to passage for church discipline. I see someone in the church. I guess it probably really doesn't make sense for it to be me. Like you don't you don't start necessarily with the pastor, but you know, somebody with just you know a little less clergy in them. You know, you see a friend or whatever, and and they're in some sort of sin, and you see like, hey, I need to go. There. Hey, bro, you can't do that. You need to stop. You need to stop abusing emotionally abusing your wife. You need to stop talking to your kids like that, bro. You got an addiction problem. And they're like, man, and it says if they if they listen to you, want to move. If they don't listen, and they say, man, shut up, get out of here. It says, gr- grab one or two other people to go with you. When you go back, it's like, hey, we've all seen this in you, bro. You need to stop. And even still, if they, even still that they won't, the next step in the principle is, is to kind of take this matter in front of the whole church. Like, bro, you you cannot keep doing this. And then ultimately says that they get kind of get cast out of the church. Talk. I mean, if this were a different podcast, you maybe just put this on the list. Maybe we'll come back to this passage sometime. Talk a little bit about what church discipline is supposed to be like. What it means to say, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. A little hint here. Jesus treated pagans and tax collectors really, really well. He was very, very kind to them. But he didn't treat them as if they were somebody who were in God's family that should be held to a high level of accountability. I'm going to treat you like you're not a believer, which means I'm going to show you a lot of compassion and grace. But I'm not. I don't have the expectations that I should have of someone who says they're a follower of Christ. Anyways, verse eighteen. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything that they ask, they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. If you hear at the last episode, we got another one of those little verses where there seems to be some sort of if-then proposition um, about uh, God giving you what you want in prayer. I tell you that if two of you agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I want a billion dollars. Jacob, do you want me to have a billion? Jacob wants also wants me to have a billion dollars. So we are in agreement. The two of us are in agreement that I should have a billion dollars. So I will ask for it and it will be done. Now, bro, that can't, it can't be what that means. Again, obviously it's not what that means. You take it out completely out by itself. Matthew 18, 19, you can obviously make it mean that, but that's obviously what he's talking about. Again, all of this is in the context of, again, this principle of church discipline, church discipline. And so then in verse 20, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. This is all focused on a very narrow context. You cannot say that what this is talking about is just two of you in your Bible study. God's powerful presence is going to be there with you and be like, bro, God is going to be there with us. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm telling you, that's not what this verse says. Any more than it says in the verse before that if you can convince one other Christian to agree to your selfish prayer that somehow God's obligated to it. Because that's not what's being talked about here. What's being talked about here is the process of church discipline. That if somebody sins, you go tell them they don't do it. Then you get two and you go and they still won't listen to it. And then, and then you know, ultimately you may have to kick them out of the church. And so then you have verse 18, he seems to change topics to talk about something we don't understand because we don't talk like this. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Basically, what, what he is saying here is that when you make this decision, I'm, I'm with you in that decision. I am with you in the decision. If, if, if someone has been caught in sin and they must be cast out, you need to understand that I am with you in this decision. And again, 
this shouldn't necessarily feel like some carte blanche kind of promise because I think probably we wouldn't have to think very hard to think of a time where in a church, two people came together and made a decision on behalf of the church about how to deal with a particular person in the church. And it was handled very, very poorly. And God would be like, man, I ain't with that. And so really it's, it, it's not saying whatever stupid decision two church people might would make that God's with them. It really is more, I would, I would say if anything, this is an absolute warning that should scare you to death about being involved in this kind of a process. This is not just two people deciding we don't like somebody. This isn't somebody just kind of just making rent. This is what you are doing here, what you are binding here. You're binding something on earth that is in fact a heavenly transaction. What you are loosing here on earth is you're actually, this is a heavenly transaction because what you guys are doing, you are acting as representatives of God himself because where two or three of you gather together, you are doing this in God's name and he is there with you. If anything, these verses, what 18 to 20 add to 15 to 17 to the process of uh, church discipline is a, as a matter, you better think this through. You better be very clear. You better recognize who you are, what you're doing, what the process is, God's involvement in it. This is not some haphazard decision you can make that I'm going to tell this guy he can't be in our church anymore. This is a decision that you make where you are saying God from heaven is ordaining this and what we are establishing to be true here is going to be true in heaven. If you don't have that level of confidence, you might just want to slow your roll just a little bit. And so for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them does not make your Bible study awesome. It makes the decisions that God has called you to make incredibly serious. Again, God is with you in your Bible study and he wants to bless your Bible study and he wants you to have a good time and he wants you to hear from his word and he's really excited about that and he loves to be right there in the middle of you helping you understand what God is saying, connecting your hearts to him, connecting your hearts to one another, to help you understand scriptures, brother, to to hear and answer your prayers, to bring joy to your fellowship. And fellowship is incredibly important. He wants you to gather together. He wants you to be together. He wants you to love one another. Acts 2, Hebrews 10, all sorts of passages that will really emphasize the power of what happens when God's people gather together in his name. Great passages on all of that. I'm just telling you, Matthew 18 is not one of them. Matthew 18 is on a different topic completely. And in fact, should be used to kind of sober us a little bit about what it means for us when we say this is a Christian gathering. We are a Christian gathering. We are meeting together in God's name, the way that you behave, the way that you talk, the way that the decisions that you make, the love that you show, the grace that you show, the compassion that you show, the judgments that you make, those things matter. You don't, you don't, you don't get to have some sort of level of authority and power and invoke God's name without it being like, bro, you just invoke God's name. I mean, there's just, I'm just, I'm just saying be careful because there, there is a, there is a real powerful um, 
It's a real powerful thing to say that God is on your team. It's a really powerful thing to say that God supports you in your decision, that God is with me in this. And I think way too often we, we, we feel a freedom to kind of come in and out of that, where we kind of come in and be like, man, when they, we are Christians and we represent God and da 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 and then all of a sudden something doesn't go right. So, oh, man, we're just people. We're just fallible people. God's not finished with me yet. And, you know, you know, everybody makes mistakes and things just like that happen. Like, okay, man, I mean, it's like, 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 like pick a lane. And this lane is telling us how serious it is to evoke this idea that we are representatives of God. And so as such, that is why for me that this passage on church discipline is something that I hold very loosely. It's not, it's not. It's not very often that I feel like I've got to go to this level with somebody because there is a certain amount, a, a real significant amount of weight that comes from, I am representing God. And because of the way that you behave, I do not believe that you should be a part of this anymore. There, there is a weight and a heaviness and a seriousness to that. It shouldn't be avoided completely, but at the same time, it should be taken incredibly seriously. So again, I think this is a great example of the fact that just because a verse by itself says something that you like, and in fact, the verse out of context says something that you like, that in fact is also true, doesn't mean you should quote that verse. Everything that you believe and want to be true about Matthew 18.20, when you pull it out of context, everything about it is true that you, that you want it to meet. It's just not what it's talking about. And, and again, I believe that it is incredibly important for us to be good students and good disciples, uh, just, just kind of handling God's worth with a, with, a, with a measure of integrity and care that allows us that if I want to quote a verse, I want to quote a verse that says the thing that I says, that, that, that it in fact, that, that it says the thing that I think that it says. So I think this is just one of those examples that there, again, there's plenty of other verses to go to that talk about God's presence with us, Jesus's presence with us, without using a verse that means something completely different. Well, if you'd like to ask any questions about that, or you want to fight me about church discipline or whatever, I'm ready to go. Feel free to email me at charlieatthegrovechurch.org. Or if you have any other verses or passages or anything that you feel like, hey, that would be really good to, um, to talk about in this series, we've, this, this, this makes nine. We may keep going for a little bit or we move on to something else, but if you've got some more, we would love to hear them. Feel free. Again, charlie at thegrovechurch.org. And if you are in Northwest Arkansas, you're not connected to our church and you're looking for a church home where we would love to meet you, you find us at thegrovechurch.org slash connect. You get the information about what it means to kind of have a first visit, information about our services, the where and the when of all of that. We'd love to see you. If you're outside that, but you'd still like to connect with us, you go to the same place, grovechurch.org slash connect. You can let us know You've been listening any way that we can help you. And you can find us streaming online, YouTube and Facebook every Sunday at 1030 Central. So we would love to connect with you either in person or online. And again, thank you so much for joining the Grove Church and our Cultivate podcast. Cultivate podcast.